Hello and welcome to Flicking and Screaming. I am Jed Sprague, here with my co-hosts, Evan Fagundis. Hello, hello. And J.T. Chipman. What's going on, everyone? And this week, we are discussing The Devil Wears Prada. But before we dive in, boys, how are we feeling this week? I am quite literally uh, defeated. If you were, I know, I know that many of you, so many of you, were just like deeply invested in me and Evans fantasy baseball. Imagine I lost. I, I our guys put up a really good fight. We I think I think that me and Evans teams have like the highest scores overall in the league, mm-hmm. just in terms of like point total throughout the season, which is pretty dope. So it might be a, it might be a rematch down the road. Um, I'm really good, man. I'm excited. I'm moving to a new place next week, so like. You know, just the the nerves and just the excitement is, like, super up. Like, I'm excited to decorate my room and just, like, be in a new place that changes scenery real close to where I work. So I'm, I'm feeling really good tonight, actually. That is awesome. And, again, Chip gives some good context to how my week, my week is going, starting off. Um, but I'm doing well, too. And, you know, Chip, that makes me think about – I feel like it was a while ago, maybe a few months ago – we were talking about how cool it feels to like watch a movie when you move into a new place and it's almost like part of like the like the you know I don't know christening of a new apartment or a new room or whatever um so I'm excited to see like what you what you have in store as far as the first couple of watches in a new place because that's always kind of like a sacred moment but um yeah I'm good excited to be here there really is not a lot better than like the new place is a good is a good one but the new tv that's what really mm. gets me going. Um, I I love the first watch on the new TV is always very important. And I always go with Ocean's 11. Like almost every time to a T. Which I think is a That's a great choice. choice. Yeah, fair. Uh, oh, that's perfect. Anyway, this week we are discussing The Devil Wears Prada, a movie that I absolutely adore that I know Evan absolutely adores, and that I believe Chip adores. Um, it is... We plan this... 100% we plan this. Uh, it is the 15th anniversary of The Devil Wears Prada next week, and actually today, it is Meryl Streep's birthday. This was 100% planned, uh, you know, looking uh, forward on the calendar. We didn't just throw this on and realize uh, how lucky we were to have these coincidences. So, you know, quick toss it to Evan... Uh, kudos to us, right, for planning this out that far uh, ahead. Yeah, big ups to us. And um, I think any time you can sit here and, and basically like bow at the altar of Meryl Streep, then you're doing something right, whether it's whether it's 100% planned or, you know, getting a little bit lucky. I, um, I, I couldn't have been more excited to see. We are recording just for background on the 22nd, which is Meryl Streep's birthday. Um, and I couldn't be more excited that it's her birthday. Yep, yep. Um, so we're bowing to two altars today, apparently, and and couldn't be happier about that. Um, but yeah, this Jed is awesome. is the Meryl Streep of podcasting. Yes. You know, just clocks in, Don't. clocks out, immediately lands a bunch of nominations. There it is. Do not, do not flatter me like that, man. I, His award no, work looks like he's going through the motions. It's... Just we want to. We got to talk about. We got to talk about Meryl, um, and we will. Uh, funnily enough, I actually. This was my next note. Is this the best performance of Meryl Streep's career? Oh my God, Chip! What do you got? I don't 
think so. But also, like, trying to discern and separate however many Oscar nominations she has now to pick out her best. Man, I don't know if I can do that off the top of my head. I should have been prepared, though. This is very much like... Uh, you know, you're you just want you're brushing us back basically. You're throwing like ninety five, <laughs> like up towards the the numbers and a little bit higher, giving us a little chin music. And I I don't have an answer for you. I don't think it is, but it it's got to be close. She didn't win. I know she was nominated. I don't think she won yeah, for this movie. She didn't. She did not win um, for this performance, which is a travesty. Um, so we could I ahead, could I just toss in my two cents? I don't I know whether I don't know if this is their absolute her absolute best performance but i think it might be my favorite mm. without stepping on any f- future meryl content i i think that's maybe the right take is it the best no is it but it's just so fun and enjoyable like this is like this is meryl at her best right maybe if it's not her best yeah. like it's her at her best this is a you know this mm. is uh if you're going to do the meryl street mount rushmore i think devil wears prada um is on there. I think Miranda Priestly is I think, on that mountain. Yeah. I think that's probably my choice from the 2000s at least. Mm-hmm. As I'm just scrolling through. Like, if we were... Well, Mama Mia's 08. Oh, boy. I really don't know. I think so it's, it's... Mount Rushmore's good. I like wow. that. So, uh, before we dive into this too far, we're having the Merrill conversation. So, I want to pull out a note um, that I had later down on my sheet. Uh... Who do you think is Meryl Streep's male Hollywood counterpart? Because I had this, my mom asked me this question. Um, it was out, it was Father's Day. I was out of my parents' house this weekend uh, for my first Father's Day. Congratulations to me. Um, and <laughs> I, 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 I uh, we watched this movie and my mom asked me, she goes, who do you think is Meryl Streep's male counterpart? Like who is, you know, as singular um, of an actor and I started to try to think, and the more and more I, I you know, I threw out a couple different, I, I think I threw out Tom Hanks as, like, you know, I think he was be, maybe be, like, the obvious choice. Um, you know, I even threw out, like, Robert Redford, like, maybe as, like, an older one. But the more and more I thought about it, it's, like, there's nobody, like, male or female, that has kind of had the breadth of success and the diversity of, like, in performances um, as, as Meryl. And I don't know if we... It's like hard to say we don't appreciate her enough, but it, it's almost like when someone's so appreciated, you kind of overlook them, and it's really amazing. She's like Tiger Woods, man. Like what she was doing, no one ever, no one ever did that. Like it's insane. What do you guys think? Man, I don't know. Yeah, that is that's another one. You're Jed is throwing heat today, and I I think it is hard. I I the boring but probably honest answer is that there is no one to really compare her to because she might like be the best you know regardless of um of gender or anything like she might be the best like screen performer of all time um or at least like most successful most distinguished um i mean tom hanks comes to mind uh, a bit um denzel kind of comes to mind a little bit when i think of just like length of time like dominating movie screens um but I don't think anyone quite reaches her level, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, she's peerless is yeah. maybe the most appropriate way to say it. And I think we should all be grateful. Here's a, you want a really weird, uh, out of left field answer that came to my mind? Yeah. Always. The answer that I thought of is branching outside of the film industry. And I thought of Kanye West. 
simply for sheer number of awards and nominations. So Kanye has 21 Grammys and Streep has 21 nominations. And like, obviously there's a difference there, but in terms of just the historic number of like, they get nominated every fucking time and they win so much. That's the only like, like entertainment industry comparison that can, can, can even come to mind. They just dominate the field. Yeah. No, I, I really like so, that. That's like very interesting. That's take. actually a great comparison. And how many, so that kind of makes me think a little bit like, what about Beyonce? Because yeah, yes. yeah. Beyonce has the crazy award numbers and like, I feel like it's something beloved. that's so like unique about Meryl is it's almost mm. like you a hundred percent unanimous approval. Sure. Even if you don't love yeah. all of her movies, it's like, God bless. Like, talk about, you know, like, bowing at the altar a little bit, which feels similar to, like, Beyonce. Like, there's just, like, such, like, a reverence for... That's a really good point. We, I don't think that uh, Kanye's approval rating is at 100% anymore. <laughs> I don't know if it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, it's true. It's true. He, he's had I a roller coaster I, ride on, <laughs> as far as approval yeah, rating goes. Um, I do love that answer, though, um, from both of you, uh, kind of looking outside of... of um, the land the landscape of of like on screen performances, maybe into music, is where we could find somebody that you know reminds us from a success standpoint. But I want to move off Meryl for a second because we're going to get to her as we start to get in the categories. Um, like we said, we're covering the movie The Devil Wears Prada. This is based on the book uh, Is the Grass Greener, where the girls are pretty by Lauren Weisberger, and it is widely known um, that the character of Miranda. Uh, is based on Anna Wintour, the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine for a very, very long time. Um, and this is somewhat of a fictional, but based on uh, the author's own experience with um, you know, dealing with Anna Wintour and, and working underneath her. And you know, I think it's really interesting to think about this movie through the lens of like this is somewhat auto or this is somewhat like biographical. Um, because this person doesn't feel real. And I don't know if you guys ever get that sense, but this time watching back, I was trying to be really aware that like the Miranda Priestly character isn't just like a movie villain. You know, like she's not over the top. Like I was trying to envision it through the lens of like she's a real like this is a real human being. Like this is how like a person a real human being has has acted um, and like caused this this whole story. I don't know if that's something that ever crossed your guys' mind. There was a movie that I thought about a lot while I was watching Devil Wears Prada this go around, and Cruella. that was The Wolf of Wall Street. I yes. What did you say, Jed? I said Cruella. I was making a joke. <laughs> oh no, that's a different podcast. God bless, God bless Emma Stone, man. That's all I need to say. God, um, God bless. So, Wolf of Wall Street is obviously more ana- analogous. That's a word, right? It's absolutely paralleled to Jordan Belfort's life many liberties are taken but that is still a real person and there is still this villainous excessive nature uh to that story that really Mm -hmm. propels and draws you in but the performances by both DiCaprio and Street are so unique and filled with like excitement that you you get sucked in a little bit right that you're like Mm -hmm. totally buying into doing whatever drugs Belford is doing or however Streep is bossing people around and picking out belts, you know? Um, I think that they, both movies honestly balance it well. 
I think that uh, what Streep does is is just really special and so fun to watch, despite how cruel she often is and a, a borderline abusive. It, it still works, and I'm still like quoting her lines along with her, and like <laughs> I don't know, like there's I don't know how anyone else could do that besides Meryl Streep. Yeah, a hundred percent. Evan, what did you think? Um, I actually agree in that like. I'm almost the opposite where I know that it's so based on a real person. I always have to temper like my excitement for like watching this character on screen when I'm watching this movie. Cause I'm like, I, it almost sobers me up a little bit to remember that these are based on like real experiences and it's played for, you know, dramatic and, and entertainment effect, but that people's lives are actually affected by this. And to think like this stuff happening in real life is like pretty gnarly as far as the impact on, uh, you know, the employees and like the staff that was working with um, Anna for all those years. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like I can't get myself to stop thinking about the fact that it's a real person because one, this person's like ghastly. I mean, in general, but two, it does kind of have that Wolf of Wall Street effect where it's like you get so wrapped up in it. And you're so entertained that it almost starts to, like, chip away at this, um, I don't know, like, negative perception that I would have about a person like this if I just heard about them or, like, read, you know, a magazine article about them or something like that. Yeah, I think I think it's really easy to in Wolf of Wall Street to kind of write it off as, oh, you know, M- Marty Scorsese is really good at, at making, like, lovable and likable villains – um, you know, bad people that are, you know, in theory, the hero of the story. Um, but in this, but I do think there's something to the fact in that movie and obviously in the Double Wars Prada that they are real people. And you just know that like, oh, my God, they did this. And that I think there's almost this like fascination. And for me, I don't know if you guys are the same, but there's this like weird reverence being like, man, you just don't give a fuck about anybody else but yourself. And like, I kind of respect that you just live your life that way like you almost can't even be mad at it um but we've talked a lot about miranda Priestley and uh, a lot about meryl streep we have not talked about the actual main character of this movie yet uh which i think is fascinating uh anne hathaway is the star of this movie um she plays andy uh who is the assistant um you know just graduated from northwestern grad school goes to work uh for miranda Priestley at runway why do you think I've this is kind of a multifaceted question uh one what do we think of of Hathaway's performance in this movie off of Streep and two is do we just think about Miranda more because it's Streep or is it you know the the character of something Hathaway's doing or not doing I I wanted to get to the bottom of this because everyone when you look at this movie you don't this isn't an Anne Hathaway movie this is a Meryl Streep movie and is it just because she's so singular I'm trying to like talk this out don't understand quite yet i think part of it is anne hathaway has other roles like this um and she's very she's good in them it's these kind of transformation arc you know she's a bit a bit innocent a bit sweet tossed into a crazy world gets thrown all the way in starts to morph into and become like an, a, a part of the cycle a little bit more of that that uh brutal nature and then eventually uh kind of pulls out and comes back to reality so they're there's multiple Anne Hathaway movies where that happens. She fits that role very well. I want to know if she knew that Meryl Streep would just dominate this movie the entire time. 
Like that, that had to be like when, when you read that script and you know that Streep is in that role, you have to understand like I'm going to get blown off the screen uh, 98% of the time. You know, there's a couple of moments where it's like she, she holds her own. But other than that, she's just uh, she kind of gets walked over, you know. Um, and I think that Hathaway has like enough charm and just like a big enough smile and big enough heart that uh, it, it works so well and and allows basically it allows Streep to dominate. She I, I, the phrase that keeps coming to mind is like a like a welcome mat, like a doormat that just kind of gets walked over. And I'm not comparing Anne Hathaway to a piece of a rug, but that that she's good at that, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think she's really good in this movie. I, I don't think any of the perception about the movie or, or kind of what the main you know takeaways from the movie are has anything to do with what Hathaway did right or wrong, honestly. Like, I, I think she did everything that she could. This movie is a vehicle for Meryl Streep. Like, that is so obvious from the very first time that they meet in that interview. Um, at that In that interview, I believe Miranda, um, Meryl Streep's character, actually says, that's all. At one point when uh, Anne Hathaway starts to come Mm -hmm. back and that feels like it sets the tone for the whole movie like there's one person dictating what's what's happening really driving both plot um, and you know emotional feel of the movie and everyone else is kind of like rotating around that I don't know it's giving me a lot of like it's funny that we're all thinking of different movies because these movies are all so different uh, than Devil Wears Prada but um, I was thinking a little bit about No Country for Old Men like Josh Brolin could have given, and I actually believe he did, the performance of his life, and everyone was still only going to talk about Javier Bardem when they walked out of the movie theater. And I think like the Coen brothers would have known that going into it. Um, same thing in this movie. I think like almost anyone who's signing up for this movie, uh, whether it's Stanley Tucci, Emily Blunt, uh, Anne Hathaway, you know. I think everyone recognized like what Meryl had going and if they didn't when they read the script I'm sure they did you know when they got onto the set because it's very obvious when you watch the movie so I think she's really good I I just you know sometimes there's only room for for like one one player or one actor on the pedestal and in in this case it's Meryl that that's fair enough fair enough um okay it's time to get to probably the most important question of the podcast, one that was tossed into the group chat by Chip uh, earlier this week. Better outfits, Hathaway in this movie or Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman? Uh, And I'm going to give the floor to the man who asked the question uh, because I think the answer is pretty cut and dry, in my opinion, but I want to hear his thought process first. You know, um, as I watched the montage scene of Nigel, um, that's Tucci's character, right? Nigel? Yeah. His name? Nigel? Yeah, yeah. First of all, unbelievable. Incredible. Uh, and getting all the shoes, getting the dresses, and I just, pretty woman, just jumped to mind. And the way that she enters that room with Emily and the other assistant, and uh, she's wearing the Chanel boots. You know, are those the Chanel boots? Yes, they are. I was just no, like, man. It, no, no. She goes, are those the, the Chanel boots? Yeah. That's right. She interrupts <laughs> I, so, I mean, this is almost just like personal bias because I'm a fan of Roberts just as a, as a performer more, um, and have a lot more space in my heart for her. So I, I think it's pretty woman. I think that Julia Roberts just, uh, 
goes to another level because it always feels like like Hathaway wears the clothes well and she's like she's got the different designers the brands it, it works well on her but sometimes it feels like the clothes are wearing her I feel like Roberts wears the clothes okay Evan I am gonna go the other way um and because the question is about who has the better outfits, I actually think the last point that you made is part of the reason why I lean towards Hathaway's outfits in Devil Wears Prada. Okay, I, I see how you're. I see how because you're because okay. I remember these outfits, and I think part of it too. I will say I lived through the time that this that this movie is portraying. Right, so like every time I watch it, it transports me back, and I can literally think as a little kid, like seeing people. Like in magazines, you know, my mom got people and stuff dressed like this, um, and and so part of it's personal for me, uh, and and not you know incredibly like um, objective. So I admit that, but I do, I actually agree that I think the clothes wear her a little bit, which kind of makes the clothes stick out of my mind a little bit more than like pretty. Well, I don't know. I think of like Julia Roberts just as an overall being in that movie more than I kind of do like. Anne Hathaway rocking the fits in this one. Love it. Um, I both respect those points. Uh, I proclaimed in the chat that I didn't think it was close. Uh, and I don't think it's even close. It's it's Anne Hathaway's outfits in this movie. I think for a couple mm. of reasons. Evan, I agree with you. I think uh, like just the outfits in general get credit because it's Julia Roberts wearing them more than like you know like I can go find a database on every single item of clothing that's in every outfit that Anne Hathaway wears in this movie because it's all real designer like it's not like there was nothing about it was was like manufactured for the movie Um, you know they're not putting her in like a polka dot dress because they wanted to represent something like everything is like designer from that time Um, and I also think just the sheer number of outfits as well like Roberts has Hmm what do we have, you know, four or five, like, signature looks, maybe, at right. the most, from Pretty Woman. Anne Hathaway's in, we see her in about, like, 30 different spectacular outfits in this movie. Um, and the one thing I was really impressed with, especially on this rewatch, is, like, 95% of them still look really good. Like, they're not that dated. I think so much of the fashion that's on the periphery of this film um, is very mid-2000s. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, like, you look at now and you're like, oh, man, like, can you believe, like, that's what people that had money were wearing? And, you know, that's what everyone does when they look. Pretty much back. everything Emily yeah. is wearing in this movie. Ex- exactly. 100%. But for some reason, like, a lot of Anne Hathaway's things uh, that she's wearing are just more, much more timeless. I think, like, that first outfit um, with the Chanel boots, you know, like, that kind of jacket with, like, that looks like a, you know, like school blazer. That might be a little bit dated. Um you know, but a lot of the dresses she's wearing, um, a lot of the other coats that she's wearing and stuff are just like really, really um, still stylish to this day. And so that's why I thought uh, that Hathaway uh, wins in this chip. I just wanted to clarify I respect that point it. for you. <laughs> I just want Julia Roberts to know that I defended her and that I think about her every day. She's listening. She's out there. Um, she is. One last point before we get into the categories as we do for every single movie. There are a lot of scumbags in this movie. Um, mm. And I think there's a lot of debate online about who the villain of this movie is. Um, uh, a lot yes. of people point to Nate and say Miranda's not a villain. But I want to go out and say that I believe that Nate, Miranda, Emily, and Christian 
are all really bad people um, yes. and true scumbags. And so I want to I want to dig into that a little bit. I think each of us can take maybe take a, a character. Maybe we can all talk about why Miranda is not the hero at the end of it. Um, I'm going to take Christian because this guy yeah. is a like scumbag of the highest order. And I don't even think you'd put this kind of character in a movie anymore. This is very like mid 2000s. I mean, when you think about the fact that she's just out of college, um, she's in her first job, and basically this guy's using his position as a well-established fashion writer to, like, incessantly hit on and sleep with, you know, with her. There's not a scene where he's not being, like, physical and creepy with her. And, like, he wears a scarf with a suit, so it's, like, almost like he gets away with it because he's being suave, not, like, super, <laughs> like, not, like, super aggressive and creepy, but... Like, especially on this rewatch, I was like, oh, my God, this guy is, like, genuinely uh, the worst. And I don't know if he gets enough flack. I think a lot of people um, take down Nate. That's, like, the really popular online take right now. Um, but uh, who wants to take Nate? You know, talk about why he's a huge scumbag. Yeah, I'll, I'll go after Nate because I, I kind of had to go Miranda on Twitter earlier. So Nate, like, sucks. There's no bones about it. Um, he clearly has no ears for listening at all and like understanding where Andy is coming from when things are like starting to uh, honestly go better for her at her job but like almost worse like he he's just so emotionally immature he doesn't know how to engage on like a, a deeper level beyond like his view of the world he has no ability to see things from anyone else's perspective besides his um, like just a lack of communication lack of maturity just so clearly not what Andy needed at the stages of life she was going through. Um, and at the end, too, like, he doesn't apologize for anything. Like, Andy apologizes, and he's like, oh, you want to come eat some grilled cheeses in Boston? And it's like, you're, you're, you're a twat. Yeah, awful, 100% agree. Um, Evan, the only other person other than Miranda that I named is Emily. Do you agree that she is a scumbag? Because I think that's my will- honest take. Definitely not. Working class solidarity. Emily is okay. not a scumbag. Emily is a tryhard and, like, isn't incredibly friendly. But I don't think that makes somebody inherently a villain because I think that's, like, 95% of, like, anyone you meet in an office. And if you happen to work for, Miranda, you know, Miranda Priestley, like, you, you'd be more inclined to, like, you know, be pushed that far. But you can take that one if you want. But... I, I I'm trying to I just always Emily so I'm not I'm not trashing her no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it then if you're if you're unionizing okay, with her then then yeah the work <laughs> let the working class unite um I think we have really Chip, radicalized were... Jed on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm open my mind my mind is open exactly <laughs> sickle <laughs> hammer <laughs> um anyway uh I think if you guys really want to, like, if you do think that Miranda um, is a hero in this movie, and I know that's a take that's out there, I would really encourage you to seek out Chip's Twitter thread about it because I think he put it um, really, uh, really succinctly and poignantly um, why Miranda is just genuinely a bad person um, and is not the hero no matter how fun uh, she is. Anything else, guys? I, we covered a lot of like a ground. Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry, we've been a little bit all over the map. Like, we're like 25 minutes in and not even to the categories yet. Um, but 
I, I, there was a lot that I wanted to talk about. A lot of things that really like kind of stirred in in the brain on this one. So, are you guys ready to pop any categories? Yeah, yeah. Let's I mean, do I think it. that just uh, speaks to how good this movie is, though. There's so many angles. Yeah, you can go at it from. It's really timeless. Yeah, yeah. love it. Okay, as always, guys, we're gonna uh, judge this movie on a couple categories: performance, scene, shot, and line. Uh, we're gonna kick it off with performance. I think are we all pretty unanimous? It's Meryl, and should we have a quick Meryl discussion, um, or did we talk about her enough? And should we talk about who the second best performance in the movie is? Because I think that's a far more interesting uh, question. I'll just give like a quick thing on Meryl. Like no one understands how to speak literally like words better than Meryl Streep like her her run-on sentences you know she does this thing where like her voice is barely above a whisper and it's almost as if like you know that character yeah expecting everyone to like be leaning in to to pay attention and just hang on every word she says and she expects that like noises around her to cease even if it's just like the noises on the street or like a sewing machine like that should stop when Miranda Priestley is speaking, so you should you should be paying attention. Um, that's such a little detail that like I know had a lot of thought that went into it. Yeah, menacing. I mean, she's she mm-hmm. she has like a quiet menace to her that takes form before she's ever even like been mean to somebody. Because early on in the movie, like her kind of evil traits are like throwing her coat on a desk and like, you know, snapping at people. But like, she's not like it's later on in the movie that she becomes like an actual, like reprehensible, like human being versus just like kind of a shitty boss. Um, but the whole time she seems like, like almost like evil personified a little bit, um, just in the way she interacts and have to mention like her hair alone in this movie should have gotten an Oscar. Her hair yeah. is outrageous <laughs> yeah. in this movie. It is a th- so thousand, wild. A thousand percent. Um, her hair and the pursed lips she does, um, you know, yeah. when they're at the, mm. the preview I, is incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I agree, Evan. I think you said something that's really important, maybe even to the previous conversation we had about why a lot of people think that Miranda's, like, not the villain. She's just a girl boss hashtag girl boss is because for a lot of this movie i think that's actually what they're trying to get you to fall for um is almost like they're trying to get the audience to fall for the same thing that andy falls for which is like she's not a bad person she's just like really singular in her vision with her job and she's hard-nosed and she's made it to the top and you know they even do the whole thing where oh if she was a you know if she was a man they would just say she's great at her job like they Mm -hmm. would you know call her cold or anything um, and it's not till the end where they really drop the hammer on you, you know, with what she does to Nigel um, and how she pits, yeah. you know, Emily and Andy against each other. And I think it's easy to overlook that and and think about the direction they're trying to point you for the rest of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it is. I mean, her performance in this movie is spectacular from the moment um, that we first see her, you know, when those elevator doors open and it's the reveal of her face like no one's ever wore like sunglasses better than her in this movie always oh sunglasses God. that you can see her yeah. her eyes through yeah. Um, yeah. i agree mm-hmm. the hair is spectacular um all the outfits and like the coats like every I, the thing that struck me this time was the belts like the mid-waisted belts that she's always wearing um yeah it's just incredible and speaking of like throwing her coat on a desk no one could do that better I mean, that is just an aggressive, you know, she has no time 
uh, for throwing her, for to like give hand you her coat. She's just gonna yeah. whip it over her shoulder and onto the desk. Um, but like I said, I think Meryl's been talked about enough. I want to talk about the second best performance in this movie. Um, and so I think because we've we've already said Meryl's the number one, uh, I think maybe each give one nominee, um, and then we can decide. I'm gonna go first, and I'm gonna nominate nominate Stanley Tucci because my man Stanley yeah. Tucci uh, deserves all the praise in the world constantly and he's doing some like real capital a acting in this movie like he gets they give him the floor to like deliver uh some like serious lines and i almost feel like he's the conscience of of like andy's conscience throughout this movie he's, he, he's almost like jiminy cricket or you know like her fairy godmother um and i just i, I absolutely love like what they did with this character they didn't they didn't like take it too, I don't think they like they didn't make him too flamboyant. They didn't take it too far, which I think they easily like could have. Um, and they didn't make him a joke. Um, and Stanley Tucci just, I mean, if you haven't watched his travel show, I could watch him eat pasta for hours on end. So, you know what he's doing in this movie, I absolutely, absolutely love. So that's my nomination. So, I'll throw all. Uh, I'll give some love to Emily Blunt. Yes, just eaten up every scene i mean leaning into like the the snobbery of her british accent um <laughs> you know she's got this super heavy eye makeup in, in almost every scene too which again speaks and and she got she's got to bump it in a lot of scenes too so yeah the, the mid-2000s just i think that that's almost like aged well because of how bad it is it's like yeah plays into just kind of how ridiculous her character and she's very much like like that's probably what Andy looks like in like two years if she's still within runway. You know, it's almost like a bit of a future vision there. Um, and just, I just love that it's Emily Blunt, who's like now one of my favorite action stars in Hollywood. Period. Uh, for many reasons, and and this is the role that she was doing in the mid two thousands. Yeah, love it. Great nomination, Evan. Uh, yeah. Any third person you want to nominate. Yeah, those are both great. Um, I mean, I got to throw Anne Hathaway in there. Like like I said earlier, yeah. like I, I actually think this is a really good performance. I think, you know, there's that joke going around, uh, that meme. Like, I think Anne Hathaway completely understood the performance uh, or understood the assignment. And Chip, like you were saying <laughs> earlier, like I've heard it described before, like, you know, the ref bouncing the guy at the free throw line, the basketball. Like the ref is never going to be the star of that play. Or that like sure. sequence, yeah. but the basketball still needs to get to the player's hands, right? Like that, she does. She has that feel in <laughs> in this movie, um, but she's really good. Like I think it's amazing that Anne Hathaway was the one who did this movie, and I think if you're, you know, maybe not the the top build, but second build next to Meryl freaking Streep, and possibly Meryl's like most maybe most remembered role is, is what I could say, or, or like most iconic, like character maybe. Um, I mean, Sophie's choice, there's a lot of iconic characters, but um, I don't know. There's just something about like Anne Hathaway, not like at all taking away from that performance or not blowing it at all. That in itself is like such a feat and probably is what allows this movie not only to be a memorable performance, but considered like an incredible movie in its own right. Yeah. I, I think the one thing, Evan, that you mentioned earlier when talking about Hathaway's performance is she, it's almost like she knew she was going to get walked on and she almost uses that as like part of the character, right? The character does get walked on and she's yeah. just really good in this movie at like taking shit. Right. And 
it works so so well um so i and i think she actually does a lot of really good reacting to the things that that miranda's saying so she does good surprise face both with miranda and with nigel like basically every line that they have she's just like like shocked face (laughs) (laughs) okay um so those are the three nominations emily blunt stanley tucci and anne hathaway uh my vote is for my boy stanley tucci uh what do you guys what about you chip you agree i'm completely on board um i mean I think that it's it's kind of the same with Meryl, that if anyone else is cast in this role, I think you kind of hate them because, like, he is a bit of a, like, a conscience and a bit of a, like, bit cartoony, not too much. But he says a lot of things that are, like, like, like weight shaming and just, like, really snide stuff. Oh, God. But it's Stanley Tucci. So it's so yeah. entertaining and so funny that you're like, yeah, give me more. Love it. Uh, yeah, Evan, I'm totally in. No, unanimous right. uh, second choice. Yeah, I, he's amazing. And you were spot on. He's definitely the emotional core of this movie. I think, like, there's a reason the end resonates so hard, and it's because of the emotional capital that's been built up, you know, through Stanley's performance throughout the movie. So, yeah. Love it. Um, all right, Stanley Tucci as our second best in Devil Wears Prada. Sometimes there are just so many or there's just someone that it like runs the performance so well that we have to give a second best and this is one of those movies um all right moving on oh before we move on from performances just quick who wants to give me a quick 15 second soundbite on how fucking bad adrian grenier is in this movie like i don't know it's kind of like it's kind of like the wife in a nolan movie right it's like is it a bad performance (laughs) or is there just no thought in this writing (laughs) i I, you know know, like honestly like he's yeah. a decent actor, right? But it's just like he has oh. nothing. <laughs> he just he just sucks. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, I mean, I agree. He's not very good in this movie, Jed. Ultimately. Yeah, okay. I think he's just. It's like it's like how many times can you just play Vince from Entourage and expect it to work, Adrian? Like, it. it when I watch this movie, I think that it's Vince from Entourage, like being a bad actor, in The Devil Wears Prada. Like it's like it's not. It's not good. But regardless, uh, moving on to our favorite scene from this movie. Uh, Evan, hit me with a couple noms, two noms from you. Okay. Um, my two nominations, really quickly. One, the blue sweater speech um, that Meryl gives. I mean, that kind of the iconic speech. And something we haven't talked about too much, but this movie doesn't want to slap you in the face with it, doesn't want to dive in too much. But there's definitely like a, a you know, an overcast feel uh, about, you know, the overwhelming power of capital and how, like, you know, capitalism kind of runs our lives whether we know it or not. And Miranda's very, um, you know, cognizant of that. Uh, and this speech definitely shows it. Also, it's just rip-roaring scene. Um, Would you then, like me to read the speech at this time? I have it. I, I literally knew that you were going to, like, either read this speech or have, like, 20 minutes of background info on, on, on the speech and on the different colors. Um, you know that I love a little a little line reading on the pod. I have it up here. I'm ha- more than happy to let you read it if you have it as well. No, I don't need I to read can... it. I don't have it pulled up. <laughs> you can read it if you want to. Wait, here can I be the one to interject with Stanley Tucci's like, like do the whole Stanley Tucci where she's like, oh, I think it needs a coat or I think it needs a jacket. And then he goes, hmm, I will bring in the hmm. Can I do that? <laughs> no, no, that's it doesn't start from there. We got to start from the, the something funny. And then Andy goes, you know, no, 
I just know like both those belts look exactly the same to me. So you either need to be Anne Hathaway or I'll just start from the line following that. You should probably start from the line following that. I can't be Anne Hathaway. I can be Stanley Tucci, but not Anne Hathaway. Here we go. This stuff? Oh, okay. I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet. You select out, oh, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. But what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. And you're so blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of Cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed Cerulean military jackets. And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. Then it filtered down through the department stores and trickled into some tragic casual corner where you, no doubt, fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs, so it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when, in fact, you're wearing the sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. That is such good writing. It is Mm -hmm. so absurd. Um, And obviously, I can't do it The dialogue writing of this movie. Woof. I can't do it justice the way Meryl, Meryl did. But, uh, Evan, your second scene. So, blue sweater scene, and then second scene nomination for you. Okay, my second, and this is just because I, I find it a lot of fun, and it for some reason it makes me feel, like, so early 2000s. Like, it feels very much like um, those, like, rom-coms and stuff at the time. But I really like the steak and manuscript uh, scene. Um, when uh, Miranda asks for a steak... Um, and then also for the Harry Potter manuscript and Anne Hathaway, this is like right when she's at the point where it's like, she's actually figured out how to do the job, but before she crosses over as much into like the, I'll stand up for myself sort of thing. So she's right in the middle Mm -hmm. where she knows how to do it, but she's also terrified and, um, running around, getting that stake. It's great musical interlude, um, calling for the manuscript. She finally kind of realizes her power and calls uh, Simon Baker, you know, playing Christian, the, the creepy uh, media dude that you were talking about, Jed, um, to get the manuscript. And I don't know, there's something about that scene that's so, like, satisfying. And I think maybe some of, I didn't mention it earlier, but maybe some of Anne's best work is in that scene, too. Like, very physical, running around the city, but fun scene. So yeah. what, I, I don't know the timeline as well as I should, what manuscript would that have been? Would that have been Deathly it's, Hallows? It's this. Yeah, it's the, it's Deathly Hallows. It's like a two year. Holy it's like a year shit. and a half before Deathly Hallows uh, came out. Part one came out. So as you know, it's only uh, or Deathly Hallows is only one book. Sorry, um, like they basically know that it's coming out, but nobody knew no knew what it was called. It was probably the most anticipated book, I would guess mm. at that time, right? In the world, oh, yeah, it had to be. Um. Yeah, pretty pretty phenomenal. I agree, uh, Evan. I love the circumstances too, where it's like she goes upstairs when she's dropping off the book, and some Miranda's like, "I'm just gonna give you an impossible task, so then I have grounds to fire you." Um, right. And that like ability to pull it off um, is is so much fun in this. And there's so many like just like walking around the frantically walking around the city on the phone. Uh, yeah, you know, it, yeah, really, really good. And like Gray Emily um, Blunt when she's like. It sounds crazy no. coming from B, me, but you need to calm down. Like that, that whole thing is really good. <laughs> That's a really yeah, good Emily really Blunt good. throwaway. Um, okay, my two nominations um, are going to be the opening scene when Miranda first arrives and everyone yeah. panicking. Yeah, 
like basically from the time like that she gets out of the car and you see the back of her hair, um, mm-hmm. and then like her Gird first your loins. when Aunt, yeah, yes, I mean un- <laughs> unbelievable people putting on their makeup, like sliding into the heels, um, just all time like scene setting uh, from the first couple minutes of the movie. And then I got to go with one of my montages, and I, I think I got to go with the uh-oh, Andy's stylish montage. Um, yes. The way they do, like, the outfit changes where she's, like, walking across the street and then, like, a cab crosses. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Oh, God, it's amazing. And they just some, like, incredible outfits uh, in this. Great needle drop um, as well. The music in this movie is, is just really, really perfect, um, I think, as a whole. So, yeah, those are my two. Um, Miranda First Arriving and then the Andes Stylish Montage. Uh, Chip, what about you? So, I, I actually think the montages in this movie are all amazing. Yeah. Um, mm. I love Bad Bosch we, Montage, we, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, it's a very brief one, and we kind of talked about it, but Miranda coming in and dropping a different person coat on Andy's desk <laughs> like 17 times. I like to imagine they did that all in one day. Just like yeah. <laughs> new coat, new purse, new outfit, boom, repeat. One take every time. Go again, go again, go again. Um, and then I, I also love the opening montage. Like all the characters. I think some of them like we don't even like see that much afterwards. Like uh, Emily Blunt's friend in the Chanel boot scene I think is one of the characters mm-hmm. getting ready and getting Giselle. dressed. Giselle. That's Tom yes. Brady's wife. That's Giselle, which is wild. What? That's Giselle That's G- uh, B- B- Bunchen. I guess that was yeah. before. Was that before she married Brady? No, I think she had just married him. But she was like a Victoria's really? Secret model at the time. Yeah. No, that's right. Like, yeah, she yeah. was very. She was like no. This is before. Right. This is three years before. Oh, it is before. It is before. Yeah. She looks okay. good. She she looks good. I yeah. No, weird. It's funny to think, think I, now that it's. I missed that. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, just uh, like I think that montage like plays well to kind of the themes of like confidence and preparation and like. Like evaluate, like self evaluation, and just uh, like literally putting on a persona every morning, um, and how much clothes are a persona and a statement in and of themselves. Okay, um, do you have any other any other nominees? Those were, I mean, the answer I think here is obvious. So I just had a couple of little montages to shout out. All right, what's your pick? It's it's the blue sweater. Blue Damn, sweater. I mean, it's just it's so elite. Well, the I had yeah. that for a different category, but I'm okay putting it in this category and then giving the different, the line category to something else because I guess it is a monologue. But the blue sweater, that whole thing is, is yeah, that can't be best quote. I I do like that. No, I I get what you're going for for sure. But there's so many good one-liners. I feel like we kind of almost got to go with like a one-liner type situation. All right, I'm down. Best favorite scene, the blue sweater scene. Love it. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our favorite shot, I would say this is probably. This movie, like, my enjoyment of this movie is not reflective of, like, necessarily, like, these, like, iconic shots. Um, but there are definitely some good ones in here. So, Chip, hit me with, uh, you know, maybe two nominees um, for your favorite shot. Yeah, there's a couple of fun shots here. There is one where um, they're in, like, the lunch line in the cafeteria, Nigel and Andy, and everyone has a salad. Every single person in line has a salad. I think... Uh, he uh, Nigel has like a little cold brew, just like black coffee, and she's got her clam chowder or uh, cor- I think is it corn chowder. I don't corn remember chowder. exactly. Corn, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a hearty soup that she's got, and uh, it's 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 a pretty subtle thing. Like it, it's obvious that Nigel has a salad, 
but you have to look in the background to see every single person has a cell and it's a great contrast um i also i i kind of like the shot of uh the the mentalist i so also that's the other thing is like i can't see him and not see the mentalist the mentalist <laughs> i literally i don't even what's what's his character cbs name? god christian 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 Scumbag yeah no god. that christian goes in one ear and out the other i just see cbs is the mentalist uh but there's a shot of him with the eiffel tower in the background when he's like oh yeah miranda priestley is gonna blah 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 and like she's like don't call me baby um Oh yeah, but I think that that shot is just really good because it's like, it's kind of like everything's kind of being exposed to her at that moment. Like even though it's uh-huh. in Paris and it's like the Eiffel Tower and it's all pretty, it's like Christian's kind of showing his true colors, of uh, you know, uh, uh, he, he's he's a backstabbing, selfish son of a bitch in his own regard. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely good good nominees, Evan. Uh, two noms for favorite shot. So two noms. The first, I'm actually gonna go with. Um, just in the section when she's crossing the street, even though it's a collection of shots, I think it's done so well. It looks like one shot. Um, the outfit montage changes. I, I think that yeah, shot is passes. actually, yeah, it because it does it twice, a cab and then a bus. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I believe there's four total outfits, and that's in that like 10 second span alone. And I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna choose that as one of mine. Um, I, I just think okay. it's it's so well done and and doesn't seem yeah. cheesy at all, even though it could be an iconic iconic too like that's, iconic that is iconic yeah, iconic. yeah. um and then the other one that i'm gonna go with and now i'm trying to remember exactly when this happened it might have been before they went to like the ball but um there's an off-center shot of meryl sitting behind her desk in like the purple gown um and just the way she's like really done up obviously she has the whole movie but it's like almost like like for a ball and just the way the camera's off center, there's something that that centers her really well in the screen, and makes her look so much like a, even though she's like immaculate, looks like a real person. Um, and for some reason, it's very humanizing. It, this isn't even a super specific one, but I just, yeah. it, it's kind of what I think of in my head a little bit when I think of Miranda Priestly. Awesome, uh, good picks. Uh, so the two I'm going to go with is first uh, the Miranda face reveal, just the shot of the the elevator doors opening and like Meryl Streep basically giving, giving you a smirk staring straight in the camera. Like just watch what's about to happen. Watch what I'm about to do for the next two hours. Um, love that shot. And then I think actually my favorite shot in the whole movie is, um, when she goes to the benefit, when she gets added on late because Emily is sick and they go to that benefit, um, at the Met, uh, that's like hosted by Runway, and remember they have to like say all the names of all the people uh, so that it can look like Miranda knows everybody. Um, when she's running out of there to try to get to uh, Nate's birthday party, there's a shot where she's running down the red carpet stairs of the Met uh, in a black dress, and it's just this huge wide shot with Anne Hathaway kind of like running down the stairs i just love the contrast of like all the colors and it just feels so like mm-hmm. new york and glam uh um, yeah and it's right before she runs into christian objectively awful but um that that shot is i think is really really cool and it, it kind of it really for me is like shows you're like oh wow look at the world she's wrapped up in you know, like it's one thing yeah. to be like they're in the office having conversations, but that's the first time that she's out and about, um, really with Miranda in this. It's almost like a preview to Paris. So I really love that shot uh, a lot. 
That's a good. That's a good pick. Mm-hmm. I think it's. We haven't really talked about how New York this movie is. Um, yeah. I mean, so that's much true. of it was was shot literally in New York. Like, if you go to the Wikipedia of this movie, it will list all the locations that scenes were filmed um, in the movie, and obviously that that costs a lot of money. That's a lot of time and a lot of work from a production side, um, and helps with that authenticity and gives it more like like drama and kind of weight to everything going on you know so i think that that we both of you guys uh had shots that had elements of new york whether it is you know those stairs in the city around it or the uh the cabin bus that she's walking past as the Mm -hmm. outfit changes happen yeah there's even really a good bus shot in that harry potter sequence too when she sees his face yeah uh a christian's face she sees it through the um through the revolving door too. That's uh, that yeah, feels so yeah. New York, like those those mm-hmm. hotels with the revolving door. Definitely. Okay, I need a final vote out of you, Evan. We'll start with you. Oh man, you know it's always such a cop out to pick your own. I feel like we should almost make a rule against it. But like, I really do like that like montage one um, with the yeah with the outfits. Um, so that that would probably be my pick if I had to pick another one. I do like the one that you were talking about, and I didn't even think about it, like, at the ball um, yeah, on the steps. Like, I, that's a really good one, too. Yeah, I, I Evan, I have to agree with you. The, I think that's the most iconic shot in the whole movie um, is her walking across the street. Um, and then the cab passes, outfit change, bus passes, outfit change. I mean, it's, it's really chalk, but it. you're right. It's so smooth and and I think that's not, like, an easy thing to do smoothly. I can't imagine. I don't think it um, is, yeah. Yeah, and I, it's really, really good. Uh, and I just, I just, yeah, I just love that. Uh, so I'm going to pick that as well. Uh, so, Chip, sorry you have no choice, but that's the winner. But I would love to hear what you would have picked if uh, you had a choice. That would have been my choice, I think. So. Oh, look at I'm us. Good with it. Look at, we're, we're all on the same page tonight. All right, guys, moving on to the final category uh, our favorite lines of the movie. So we already, we already, uh, I already read the blue blue sweater speech. Um, oh God, this is going to be really tough. Um, I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to go chalk because I've got a lot. I've got a couple of really good ones. I think Emily has maybe some of the funniest one-liners in the whole movie, and like I don't ever yeah. remember that every time I go in, and she says some stuff where it's like absolutely hysterical okay the two I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go super chalk uh, the Nigel Stanley Tucci where so many girls would die to work you only deign to work just mm-hmm. spectacular That's a good one. spectacular writing spectacular delivery uh, and and then I'm gonna go with Miranda towards the end of the movie by all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how that thrills me. I just, <laughs> that yeah. one cracks me up so much. <laughs> it's like you get to the end and you finally feel like they're at a place where she's like not being an asshole to her. And then you realize, no, she still is. It's like Andy's just putting up with it now. Um, but those are my two. Uh, Evan, what about you? So I got two, and I agree. I think Emily and Nigel um, actually have the funniest lines. Um, yeah. But, uh, so the two that I need to give first from Nigel, let me know when your whole life goes up in smoke means it's time for a promotion that I do, I do like there are some small, subtle and I don't even know if they meant to. But some of the shots at like kind of big business are, are I find pretty funny. And that's one of them. Also, just the delivery is unbelievable. Um, 
And then the last one, and, and I wish it was funnier because it's not funny, but it's just such a good line and it's delivered so well. It's when Miranda turns, it's in the big like kind of penultimate scene between them and the, in the limo. And she said, oh, don't be ridiculous, Andrea. Everybody wants us. Everybody wants to be us. And there's just yeah, something yeah. that's so like, that's where it comes back to that. Like, I know I'm supposed to hate this person, but why is she so goddamn eloquent? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. while also having no self-awareness, you know, at the same, it's like all these things are mixed and matched in Miranda Priestley's mind. Um, and it's portrayed so well. Cause that's like, I don't know. There's something about it. That's so, you know, like, um, like lacking in confidence, but also is the most confident thing at the same time. I don't know. I'll stop, but yeah. I really like that line a lot. No, really, I have really good. I have a huge problem with that line that I'll talk about in my later on. It's okay. it's it's good. This is a little bit clickbaity what I'm saying right now, but we'll talk about okay. it later. L- love it, love it. Coming up, stay next. tuned. If you've made it through this hour and ten minutes of the mm-hmm. podcast, then stay tuned for the next fifteen. Like, I'm sure they'll after the break. Five minutes of which was yeah. fifteen minutes can save you fifteen percent or more. Let's take a quick break. Blue Moon. Oh, no, wait, no. No free Moon advertisements. Is, yeah, yet. no free this is Cut the check, me undies. Let's go. Um, all right, Chip. Uh, what are your two nominations? I mean, this is it's just Stanley Tucci hour, man. Yeah. I mean, I there's 17 different lines. So I'll pick Girl. one because there's also a different one I'll use. Um I love, uh, who is that sad little person? Are we doing a before and after piece that I don't know about? <laughs> yeah. I'm pointing to Anne Hathaway. Yes. That's our intro to his character, too. Great pick. So yeah. good. So good. Okay. Um, and then I think it's in that same scene. Um, <laughs> this I think this is the quote I laughed out loud at most this time. Um, Annie's picking up the phone. She's taking a message, and she says, and how do you spell Gabbana? Yeah, <laughs> and, and you just hear the click and like, oh, I guess they don't want to tell me or something like that. And like, she has no idea. Yeah, I think th- those both those quotes are great too because they reveal everything about the character in just a few words. You yeah. bet your size it's... six ass. <laughs> yes, <laughs> everything yeah. he says yeah. is unbelievable. Literally everything Stanley Tucci says is like about weight or yeah. jabs at her, and it's like what he's saying. Being, he goes, but he's because like, it's Stanley Tucci, yeah. it works. Yeah, Don't make me he's like, be nice or I'll feed you to one of the models. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. that line so much. Um, a couple, I mean, obviously the, all right, everyone gird your loins. That's like iconic. That's um, a good one, yeah. The other one I really wanted to mention is is the Emily line where Andy's like, I'll be back in 15 minutes. Wish me luck. And she goes, no, shan't. Like, I just, <laughs> like, yes. can Dude, you imagine yes. being that like outwardly rude to your coworker where they're like, wish me luck. And you're like, nah, oh. I'm not going to. Nope. So Dude, how and about the Emily line that I'm just one stomach flew away from my goal weight? <laughs> yeah. You don't deserve that, Paris. You eat carbs. Yeah, you yeah. eat carbs. That one's amazing. And then, oh, no, do you have some prior commitment, some hideous skirt convention to go to? Like, yes. <laughs> it's, like, not that funny, but it's, like, so, like, not, like, she thinks, like, her face after she says that line is, like, there's a lot of Emily Blunt, like, I'm proud of like the dig I just made face acting that she does in this yeah. movie, which is amazing where she's like, <laughs> I'm so funny. Um, it's absurd. I mean, again, just Emily Blunt. I love her so much. Just like watch her in Sicario after this. One of the most like serious and introspective and like physically demanding action performances I've seen in, in a while from anyone. And then watch her in this. It's like, how can you hit both extremes like that? 
yeah, she's she's spectacular. Um, all right, guys, we need a final vote. Chip, I need your final pick. Man, I almost want to pick hideous skirt convention because I think that's such a <laughs> good line. Um, I I mean, oh, I kind of want to go one more. What? I have to throw in there before you make your pick. One more yeah. Emily line that I had written down. Is when it's when she's stuffing her face full of food after she just got hit by a car, and she goes, "You sold your soul the day you put on your first pair of Jimmy Choo's. I saw it. <laughs> I love that line." Anyway, and it's continue. like kind of a dig too. Like it's kind of accurate because yeah. I mean things did change for her. Um, so I I kind of want to go with who is that sad little person? Are we doing it before and after piece that I don't know about? I'm fucking in on that. I'm that so down so for that one because it's Fuck it yeah. might be like. The first like unbelievable line of the movie too, which is like kind of a cool because that intro to Meryl is great, but more as a character, that's like the first line when you're like, oh, this movie does that. Like yeah. every scene, even if it's not incredibly important, is gonna have like two lines in it that you're just like, wow, they were writing their ass off. Yeah, and it it's just so funny too because like introduces you to that world where they see somebody that's like dressed like poorly and they don't just think like oh who's this person in the office they're like we must be using this person for content clearly like she's so poorly yeah. dressed <laughs> yeah uh all right uh yeah I'm down with that that is a great pick okay so in review our favorite performance clearly Meryl but our second favorite performance is to our man Stanley Tucci. Uh, our favorite scene is the blue sweater scene. Our favorite shot is the cab uh, passing and then the bus passing, and she's in different outfits during the outfit montage. Mm-hmm. And then our favorite yep. line, who is that sad little person? Are we doing a before and after piece that I don't know about? Uh, as always, spectacular picks by us. I mean, can't disagree. There's no one on the pod to disagree. Uh, <laughs> but moving on to the final portion of this podcast, I need grades, boys. What is the grade... Uh, Evan for the Devil Wears Prada. So I had it at a solid A. I think it is an amazing movie. I think it's like as good as it possibly could have been, and honestly, probably better than it it even Agreed. should have been. Um, just based on like the source material that they're working off of, and how like those little things, like the montage and stuff. If that isn't done correctly. It could literally look like a Disney Channel movie. You know, if they're doing like if they're not cutting this movie well and making it either seem one too frantic or two seem like too staged, it just feels so real, even though you're in kind of this like heightened reality. Um, Huge fan of the performances. I mean, anytime you get performances like this, uh, especially from like part players like. You know, Emily Blunt, that character is so much worse than so many other, you know, mid-2000s, like, rom-com slash, like, rom-drom type movies. She -hmm. just kind of knocks it out of the park. Same thing with the Stanley Tucci character. You know, he's delivering, like, exposition here and there where he's, like, kind of telling you what a quote-unquote more normal person in this industry who's not as much of, like, a, a demon as Miranda still acts, like, you know, pretty petulant and, and, like, frankly, like, mean sometimes. I'm like, all those characters just fit so well. It's not quite, like, I can't quite put it on, you know, like, the Jaws, like, Godfather level necessarily, but it's like... Can't give it a B, can't put it as, on Jaws level. As far, yeah, right, exactly. But as far as, like, movies go, it's it's really hard to get much more entertaining, 
So I just a clean A. Yeah, I hey, I agree, man. A is the grade I gave it. Um, I agree. This is one of those movies that's better than it needs to be, and I appreciate that so much. Like they could have made probably a similar amount of money making this about fifteen percent worse than it is. Um. But they just did everything perfectly. Even the littlest details, like you talked a lot about about Nigel Stanley Tucci's character and how like you know he's like the way a normal person acts. They even give a whole scene um, where they're doing a rundown, uh, and Nigel says something that Miranda likes, and you get to see how proud he is of himself because Miranda approves of him. That sets up that ending so much better. Like you didn't need that scene to make that ending hit hard, but it just makes it hit a little bit harder, um, and. And I think everything everything about this movie is just fun and enjoyable, uh, and well executed. And for me, it's an A. I mean, this is a this is an all time cable TV pick it up whenever movie. Uh, this is just a great like I don't know what to watch. I've got it bought on iTunes. Like I'll never be tired of throwing it on. You know who loves this movie? Ed Sprague. My father loves The Devil Wears Prada, and he like literally. I was like, oh, that's what we're doing on the podcast this week. He was like, turn it on right now. Like, you know, not like, oh, we, we can maybe watch it later. He's like, let's fire it up. Like, this is a movie, like, the person that you would least expect to love a movie like this loves this movie. And I think that just, like, goes to show, like, how powerful this movie is for the subject matter being relevant to people like like my father, who has no interest in fashion whatsoever. So, A for me. So... I'm going to give this movie a B. I I love it. Like let me I'll I'll start with the gray stuff. Like I love tapping into just kind of some vain corporate fashion asshole nonsense. Like we we love succession here. I think mm-hmm. that this is uh it, it's a little bit similar, you know. It it shows how like kind of evil and despicable this world can be and like just extreme uh abusive business practices and and wage slavery. It's all on display. But it's also fun. That is so difficult to do. Um, you know, you can count on one hand how many pieces of entertainment can pull that off. And I think this pulls it off really well. Um, Hall of Fame New York movie. I think it's a movie that's so driven by performances and by um, dialogue writing. Um, every, just every every line, every um, every monologue, perfectly placed and perfectly delivered at the same time. There are some performances that are really bad in this movie yeah. basically everyone in andy's circle um just is is so uh, uninspired to me and just like i don't understand um i don't i don't buy any of their relationships any of their friendships or dating like it just it just seems so out of left field and like the scene where she's giving them gifts it's like who are you people you, you clearly like have no emotional connection to any of the people at this dinner table that you're with um and i so I also, okay, at the beginning, I don't understand how Anne Hathaway ends up in that job. Just even in that interview, I, I don't get it. Like, there are, like, Nigel says, there are, uh, I can get a million women to do this job for you. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't understand how Hathaway is just even there having the opportunity to talk to Miranda Priestly. I, I just, even if there is an explanation, like she, she knows someone who knows someone, I just don't buy that it happens. Um, I, they then, do write it off as like human resources center up. It's like so, yeah, so just nonsense to me. Um, and then Evan's gonna respond. Go for it. No, I I don't need to. I don't need to because this is getting way too deep. I love when Evan I'm gets sure that. I'm sure you're right. 
I so I always interpreted it as like because we are supposed to believe that she reaches a level of success for a reason, right, Miranda? I always kind of interpret it like Miranda asked for somebody like that and sort of made it out to be like she was hoist, like foisted upon her, but it was more like I'm tired of all these girls who like their whole life are just trying to be my assistant because they're the ones who like tr- either try too hard or like nut up or whatever. I need to like kind of form somebody into my like little creation. I don't know, but yeah. it could have just been no, no, bad, I, bad indeed.com d- work for sure. No, but that's a pretty good point because she kind of says that in the thing. She's like, do you know why I mm-hmm. hired you? And, like, that, do you know why I hired you could be, like, do you know why I asked for someone like you? You know, not yeah, just, that like. could be. So, you know, but, again, I don't want to, like, put. But still, know, the interview was trash. On, like, like, we can definitely. I, I agree. It's, it does, doesn't, it doesn't make Mar- a lot of sense to me. Miranda strikes, to, strikes me, though, as the type of person that, like, just, she interviews, like, trial by fire. She's not, like, oh, I think this person will be great for the job. She's just, like, they're going to start. And if they fail, like right. we'll fucking hire someone else because, it, like, clearly they've been through like a lot of a lot of people. I I see where you're coming from, and I could maybe buy that. What I can't buy is the ending of this movie. I so this is a movie that suffers from not being a tight ninety. Um, you know, okay. you've got too many scenes with Andy's friends mm-hmm. um, with Christian. Too many scenes with Christian. Just cut him out of the movie. Too many. Yeah, like. I don't need more than 30 seconds with a mentalist to know how terrible he is. And it, at some point it's just a little overbearing, but the ending, everything that happens after. So basically from the conversation with her boyfriend on, I'm just like completely out on everything. So first of all, the, the resolution with the boyfriend is terrible. It, it, it doesn't track with like, it, it feels like she hasn't learned anything or that. And then it feels like he definitely hasn't learned anything from the movie. It's just like, they're kind of, I just, I just don't. That conversation is just irritating. It's like, it's like nails on a fucking chalkboard. It's like Quint in Jaws. There's nails on the chalkboard in the town hall meeting. Everything that happens in that scene is terrible. I hate that. Like the last of, we see of Miranda Priestley should have been uh, everybody wants to be us and then walking away. I, I can maybe get the whole facts thing at the job interview. Like, if you're, you're an idiot, if you don't hire her, okay, maybe, sure, I'll give you that. But, like, the final eye contact with her and, like, getting in the limo and the smile, total bullshit. Absolutely not. I It, it bothers me so much. Also, there is absolutely no way that Andy got to keep any of the dresses from Paris. Yeah. No way. Those were all on loan. Those were all going right back to, to a model, right back to a dressing room, right back to a, a runway for someone else to use. No way she just gets to pass those off onto onto Emily and just like that. Like that's it's so annoying. It's so like they're trying to be so cheesy and wrap everything up when I think we have all we need. Uh from the honestly from the moment she throws the phone in the fountain in Paris. It's like I know everything I need to know at this point. Yeah, I think if she throws the fountain the phone in in the fountain in Paris, um and like walks away and then yeah. credits roll i think yes. we're good with that should not have I, gotten they, back together with with a boyfriend with nate yeah they no they don't get back together though right like cause she i mean it's like heavily implied because they're like oh we'll make it work you know or we'll try to make it work i broke jed <sighs> yeah. you broke him <laughs> i just I, I don't like that part either i don't know i yeah no they, i don't it need feels like, I don't very need like bo- popular entertainment to me 
Like that yeah. whole that final ending, like ten minutes, feels like they were like, we still do want like two hundred million dollars worth of people to go tell their friends, like, hey, you got to go see this movie and walk out with a smile on their face. Yeah. Like that's what it sort of feels like. Feels like maybe the studio might have said. I mean, I don't. This is pure speculation. Yeah. Um, it, it just it feels very like a in like twenty people. Got like had to write that scene, you know. Yeah, like, there's no heart. Yeah. It feels no, focus um, tested a bit. Like they might have even yes. shot like three different endings and done one yeah. where, like, I legitimately think it, like, because of how popular this movie is, I legitimately think if it ended with her like throwing the cell phone away, like people would have been like, "Fuck that." I think yeah, people might have uh, like people not or, like or us, just like I not I don't know. maybe not or like they would have left the screening and been like so what happened with yeah. me and what happened with because right. this is what people like we need closure yeah yeah whatever i don't know i mean i i i, I can see what you're <laughs> i can see what you're saying chip i just like i hate that we're talking about this now like i just don't i don't know this movie's so good like I, the, I, I like this. But I, agree, I love though, the this last, movie. This is like the last ten minutes. The last ten minutes. I think you cut out. Like I think the last ten minutes are fine if you cut out the whole scene with Adrian Grenier. I I don't mind. I I actually kind of like the whole thing because they talk about oh there's only ever one recorded smile in the history. You know when they're at that preview and they're talking about what her different reactions mean. Only one recorded mm-hmm. smile in the history, and so she smiles when she gets in the car. I don't know if there's enough to smile about, like seeing her in like a, you know, kind of like a weird hybrid version of like the girl that started working there and the girl mm-hmm. that ended working there. But yeah, I don't know. Like like the movie, this pod has probably dragged on about 15 minutes too long. Uh, <laughs> so uh, guys, thank you so much as always uh, for listening. Please, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at Flick and Scream, on Instagram at Flicking and Screaming. Join the conversation. Let us know uh, what you guys think of this movie. Uh, you know, let us know. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Um, I hope you love it. Give some love to Meryl. Uh, you know, let us know if we're crazy for loving Stanley Tucci so much, or if you love him as much as we do. Um, and next week we are going to be ranking all of the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, super excited for that one. Uh, you know, Indiana Jones uh, and the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark just hit a big anniversary. I'm not sure which one it was. Uh, I should probably have done the research before this. Uh, but we're going to be ranking all of the four Indiana Jones movies. There's a fifth one in the works, so we might have to rework this after that comes out. But uh, super excited for that one. Uh, it'll be a quick one for you guys as we run through uh, and figure out which of those movies is the best. I think that's probably my one of my favorite formats uh, is the ranking for sure. So I'm excited yeah. for that one. Any parting thoughts, you guys? Uh, Devil Wears Prada, unbelievable. Such a good movie. Way better than it needed to be. Yeah, I mean, it's a. don't let my grade distract from the fact that this is like one of the more rewatchable movies of all time, I think. Um, just under, underrated is just a quotes movie too, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding quotes movie. Really fun. And I think like, hey, gotta give us some credit. Like I love that we're sitting here debating that's the merits f- of like the ending of the Devil Wars Prada. I think that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing here. So I'm glad you brought Who that up. Years years this exactly. No one else is that's no one wild, else is talking man. about the editing that is room wild. for <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah. Also forty years of Raiders of the Lost Ark, I believe. I believe it was eighty one. Shit. Yeah. 
That is, oh my Forty years. God. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah, 80s, things that came out in the 80s are going to be turning 40 this year. That's pretty crazy. That's, that, mm, I don't like that. Right, I know. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, as always, for clicking and streaming. I'm Jed Sprague, Evan Fagundis, JT Chipman. Good night. See ya. See ya, everybody.